Welcome to the Gooners podcast. Our viewers went down during that like 40 seconds. We started with 500 people, and then by the end of the uh, the, the introduction, there was four. Um, I, You know, when you just said to me right before you hit plays, like start thinking of season seven's intro, I think it's going to be literally, and then done. It's <laughs> all of us in there and then finish. I was on uh, Tom Canton's podcast last night, and the beginning is like... <laughs> And then it's him. Like, like yeah. it was literally two seconds long. Has Tom ever commented on our intro where we blatantly call him not media, even though he just landed the whale of Emmanuel <laughs> Petit this week? That was the whale that I was riding on our, on our introduction video. Was that it was actually it wasn't a dolphin. It was Emmanuel Petit in Jamaica. You were just riding on his ponytail. I, I was, and, and and there's no other ponytail I would rather ride on, I'll tell you. Uh, so, Jared back, has guys. voted for a shorter intro, thus we will make it longer. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's not it even does. in it. That's probably why he hates it. We're the contrarian podcast. <laughs> We're just going to talk about Woolwich Arsenal today, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So, Andy... Yes, you know you're you're uh, we're, we don't pod as often on our own channel anymore, but uh, but you've been around actually most of the recent pods. I think you're you're batting about five hundred as we call it uh, on on recent podcasts. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Life update: How's everything going? Your son, your son bar mitzvah coming up? Uh, yeah, we got a couple weeks. No, we got a month, about a month, and then we uh, we're we're into year five. Uh, but otherwise, life is good. Really busy. Um, Owen and I have literally not talked face to face for about three months, so it was good to see him. Had a little catch up before the uh, before the, we went live. Speaking mm-hmm. of Owen, do you, do you know why his name is Owen? I finally figured it out. No, because he'd be owing me some money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, that's the only awful. way I'm going to remind him, and I know he knows, and I know he's got a lot going on. Which is why does he owe you, buddy? Um, <laughs> he knows. It's a yeah sensitive it's, subject. Only, I because I take I take uh, uh, I take credit on OnlyFans, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, really it's accumulated to the makes point. it makes makes the type of dude that invites you to London. Um, lets you stay on a sofa and then invoices you to try and pay for the Airbnb after you leave. <laughs> I, did, I tried to tell them that you were the one that broke the toilet seat. I know, yeah. I, I have responsibility for the seats in the living room because those are on video. Um, I said those are on video. Hold on a second. Where is it? Mike broke the chair. While Mike's finding that, um, oh, and I hope oh, I don't get cancer. <laughs> Mike broke the chip. 
but you there's no one that could tell me that you didn't break the the, the toilet seat i mean it 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 came off when i sat down on it but i think you were the one that got it started yeah, yeah. uh oh and don't don't stand between a jew and his money Okay, there will be goons <laughs> showing up at your door very soon. <laughs> He's a we, we call we call them Jews, not goons. <laughs> <laughs> nice guy. Hey, this guy's got two mortgages he's got to pay for now, right? He needs almost. That. Yeah, yeah. I, the longer the house takes, the longer I got to wait. And and it, it, the good news is, mortgage interest rates have only gone up by like eight percent in the last three months. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when is that going to be finished, Mike? And when are we going to do our first Gooners podcast retreat? Poolside? Um, yeah. Probably be finished in late summer. And, and so this winter will be the first kind of let's all get the hell out of the cold and go down to Florida, you know, gathering type of situation. So didn't uh, you end the pod once where you ran and jumped into the pool? Yes, that was at my in-laws house, though. Yeah. That was that was, I think, the last pod we did with uh, with B. Uh, right after Emery got fired, sacked, <laughs> and I jumped in the pool out of sheer joy, and uh, and it was a little cold, I think. But in any case, Owen, you're back. Let everybody know. I mean, I've gotten a lot of questions, a lot of comments in uh, in in YouTube. You know, the comments of the video and and just people essentially crying out for more Owen. And where have you been? And and I've tried to tell them, but then. I'm like, maybe he's just bullshitting us. Wait, you made yeah, up well, stories about me. What did you tell him about Owen? <laughs> I'm not going to tell Owen that, that that he got divorced or an annulment because look at him. He's hot. Mm, <laughs> no, well, look, after about two months of, of trying to get rid of his and make his go away and continuously leaving WhatsApp groups and getting added back into them, he's never got the fucking hint once. So I had to make up some excuse. No, the truth is, is that um, yeah, the new background just to just to throw us off. Yeah. <laughs> no, I bought a house. I'm having a baby, and I sold my pool table. So it's been eventful. That uh, sounds like the beginning of like a like a country song. I was about to say. So out of, <laughs> out of all of those things, oh, it's most upset about the pool table. The pool table for sure. And that's where oh. he couldn't just stand to be. I'm upset. having a pool table. I sold my baby. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, never rule anything out. You know, the, the, there's going to be funds needed raised somehow to get me a new pool table. So I'll never. I may, I may just, I may just cancel the uh, the loan that that you owe, and and then. Uh, but this is we'll this is fun. what I mean. Um, so the money is obviously um, for a ticket that uh, Mike forked out for whilst we were over, and I was feeling guilty. I was like, God, I got to get Mike paid back. And in the exact minutes, he sends me a picture of his new. Uh, beachside condo with a pool being installed being installed and i'm like this motherfucker <laughs> i'm in no rush to to, to nah, get that I'm money back from you money. i'm just friends are uh yeah i just if your name wasn't owen i wouldn't even have brought it up today but well, spe speaking of owen money mike the the gentleman behind you i think this is maybe quite a good time to yeah to plug well, that he doesn't know anybody anything we uh, we owe him a debt of gratitude and and uh, yeah let's talk about that because um you know who's the guy behind you <laughs> are you serious <laughs> some people might not know who he is and there are people who listen to this on itunes so fucking say who it is okay <laughs> the, the, the second thing is okay i actually thought you were asking me who it was like for your own benefit no i um, have I, I have also shared an airbnb with ola but i have not given him the pleasure of breaking any chairs in front of him 
No, um, Ola was the voice on the 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 the, the famous voice by now of "You broke the chair, man," and, um, and Ola is just an amazing, amazing person. We met Ola, and he had. I'm trying to think. Did 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 we meet Ola through uh, Nunny? In the sense, I feel that, like yeah, the chat group, and then and then you met him when you came over before I did. Yeah, I feel like I met him through Nunn in the chat group because I remember. Man, I remember going to the like Andrew texted me early that day and said, "Hey, why don't you come to the pub?" And I think him, Ola, and Canton were there having drinks. And I, I feel like that's the first time I met him and Kenny. Yeah, and yeah. oh, I was so jealous of that, and, and I've since made up for it. But, um, but yeah, he he's a guy who's been on ABW. He's been on, uh, and Danny can tell you, he's in the chat. He's been on Tom's show on the Gooner Talk TV. He's been on a lot of different shows. He does his own MMA show, but. The guy in person, I mean, you meet a lot of people when you come over and you have, you know, social media and you do podcasts and stuff. You just meet people, connect with people. And he is honestly one of the biggest sweethearts, one of the nicest people I have ever met, like virtually or in real life. The guy is sometimes you can't get to see him at games because he's busy. He's working. He's got family events takes care of his family which i think everyone should i mean just because andy does it doesn't mean that it's not expected (laughs) of people but takes care of his family takes care of other people his work is delivering and and supporting uh delivering things and supporting families with disabilities um just basically helping out others who can't help himself and right now he's in a situation where he needs help uh if you've been following the twitter feed if you've been watching tgt or or um what other show did we do on uh well danny and i talked about it on our sunday roast show uh we had a show on lee judges tv he is in a situation where his papers are expiring soon and he needs to renew his paper so he's not considered an overstayer and uh it's a lot of money and and i can tell you as a father of someone who's going to be spending two months three months in europe in in england over the summer for a uh, for a temporary work thing, there is fees and paperwork that I just helped her with today, and and that's just for a two month work visa. What he's got to fill out and the health charges and the legal charges is costing thousands of pounds, and because he stretches himself so far with with his work, with his family, with the number of things that he's doing, and and he's not you know paid a ton of money for it. He's really had no choice but to kind of ask for some crowdfunding. And I'm so glad that he did because I said yesterday on TGT, you know, I believe in paying it forward. I think it's important to do that, Um, to do nice things for people, to do generous, generous acts for people, even when you know you're not going to get anything back in return, because ultimately the world has a way uh, of evening that out. And, and Ola spent the last five years that I've known him uh, doing nice things for everybody including sleeping on my couch, uh, letting me take a picture of him doing that, including all that different stuff. And, and he bought, you know, tons of beers the night at the, but, but I'm not talking about even those things. He's just a good person, a good friend. And, uh, finally some good karma is coming around for him because he has a GoFundMe, which you can easily get to at keepolahere.com, And it goes straight to the GoFundMe. I'll put that on a scroll at the bottom in a, in a second. But, uh, if you go to that, It'll take you to the GoFundMe. It'll describe his situation. I believe it's at 
just about twenty six hundred dollars or twenty six hundred pounds out of the thirty five hundred that are needed. So we're like three quarters of the way there, but we're running out of time. There's just about a week left before he has to devote that money towards the cause. And so any help that you can provide, again, whether you know him or not, whether you know me and and trust me that he's a good person and that he's not just getting money for something he could have paid for himself, please, please, please do that. Um, And we'd love to see the number increase actually while we're podcasting. Uh, Not that we usually get that many anyway, but please don't super chat us. Um, we'll read your comments. Uh, if you put super chat in the comment and don't actually super chat us, take that money instead of having half of it, go to YouTube and put it uh, to the GoFundMe. So, and thank you to everybody that's already, I mean, we already deposited money in there and already sent money. We've seen so many people that, that we know from all of these different podcasts. So, um, Owen, you want to say anything about Ola while I check to see the, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. Obviously, look, I've I've known Ola for probably about two years, just from from WhatsApp groups and stuff. But I had the pleasure of meeting him whilst it was over for the, for the Villa game uh, before Christmas. I think it was um, with yourself, Mike, and uh, just one of the most genuinely nice men that you'll ever meet. He's he's just exactly everything you expect him to be, and more. And one of the things that stuck out to me was. After a night of heavy drinking and, and chanting, and not even just a night, a full day of heavy drinking, um, as soon as I woke up, he was on the phone to his missus, talking to his kids on the phone. <clears throat> and not, <laughs> we not, all not, just slept together that night. Yeah, crazy. yeah. But but no, not only did he was he straight on the phone to them, the journey that man had to undertake, not only to, to see us in the first place, but to get back to his family. And that was immediately what he was trying to do. And to think that the disappointing thing for me is that the system's that flawed that a man who works as hard as he as hard as he does to provide for his family and sacrifices things for the betterment of others um throughout the pandemic whatever way a lot of a lot of people were at home working from home he was still out at it all the time and he never i've never seen him complain once um so for a guy in his circumstances to be under the pressure that he's under i think just says everything that's wrong with the system um but as you said I think if I was in this situation or you were in this situation, Mike, and, and, and the roles were reversed, Ola would be one of the first people to, to turn around, put his hand in his pocket and try and get us out of it. And and trust me, if I was in the situation where I could try to help him more, I would. But that's the beautiful thing about being part of the Arsenal family. We've seen the generosity through Gunners v Cancer and, and we're a generous fan base and it's good to see that that's coming out once more. But as you said, it's it's about that time limit, you know. Don't be thinking, oh, I'll, I'll I'll donate tomorrow or I'll donate um next week, whatever. If you're gonna donate, donate now. That doesn't matter the size of the donation, whether it's a pound or a thousand pound or whatever you think you can afford. I think Same. GoFundMe forces it to be no less than five, which is which we regret because I mean it's yeah. a limitation of the website. But but as my missus told me, mate, look, size doesn't matter, and that's that's a thing that I'm still pretty sure she's lying about, but. That's the podcast motto. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, and, and and when you mentioned Gunners versus Cancer, I mean, I, so many people I recognize from the donor list to, to Ola that are also donating to Gunners versus Cancer. Dublin Gunner, you're in the chat right now, donated to both of those today. And, and I appreciate it so much. Uh, Edward Sager is someone that, that I actually met uh, while we were over in London the last time. He's an American uh, from, from New York. Uh, but I mean, we've got a bunch of people from that I recognize from both Neil Gargas, uh, 
Desmond Edwards, Scott Gleason, Daniel Sweetman, of course. Thank you so much. Philip Howell, who's uh, Gary, don't waste the tweet. Uh, there's been over 120. There's been 125 donors to this cause, and it just shows you how you can get to a goal, even if you know you really only have about five, you know, five quid or so to spare. So, there is a special promotion though. If you donate 50 quid or more, you gain ownership of two percent of Ola. Kind of like you know how footballers, like the Brazilian footballers, they're mm. they're owned by like five different companies, and I'm probably going down a dangerous path to talk about ownership of a person, especially. <laughs> especially all of it um but uh you know you get part of the sell-on fee you get to share in his uh extraordinary penis um wait and, a second uh, i have a question because now i'm just my brain's my brain's going my oh brain. nigerian right are we sure this yeah. isn't some sort of a print scheme no. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i think what you just said is worse than what i just said because <laughs> i'm really people in glass houses but <laughs> No, the dude's un unbelievable, and we're acting like he's dead. He's a good. I, I know. I, I I have a bunch of like pictures and videos of him, and then I'm like, wait, if I show like yeah, a montage, no. it's look, like this is a look. This is a great guy with a kind heart, and like Owen said, he would be the first one to step up when anyone else is in need. And I, I think he legitimately loves giving back to the community as much as he does his family. And so, if you, if you can spare anything, just Mike post the GoFundMe page. Um, let's try and get him to his goal because he's just he is a, he's got a kind heart. He's got a kind heart. Does he make you stay up forty five minutes late to let you into the Airbnb so he can grab a kebab? Yeah, yeah. Does he offer to buy you one? No, you know. But there he is. So, all right, hold on. I'm I'm gonna try to get that to scroll. Oh Jesus! All right, but speaking of which, one last thing on Ola. I'm gonna play a video, one video, and it is and and Owen, you're in it. And this just shows how nice he is because Owen and I were being complete jerks to your lawyer, husband, and best friend, Andy. Who is it? Your sorry, lawyer, Joey. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at Ola's thing. Dude, Joey oh, Martin, no. oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and this is how it went. And you can just see how sweet Ola, Ola is here. I want to see Joey. Hey, Joey. I want to Fuck you, Joey. Fuck you. Oh, I love you, Joey, man. Come on. Where's Joey? Joey? Why you mean fuck Joey? Where's Joey? That's my... I that's love Joey. Joey. He loves Joey. I fucking love that's Joey. A, that's the crypto guy. Man. Where's Joey? Come on, Joey. Joey, where are you? Joey! Reports! Joey. Joey! I like how I like how Joey's known as the crypto guy. Oh, and have you heard of Joey's crypto story? Oh, no, 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 I'm just disgraced that I fucked I'm up. Not, I'm not gonna do it justice, but he did <laughs> something like beers. like years and years and years ago before you know, like everyone started investing in crypto. Like Joey wanted to put some money into Bitcoin, but accidentally added like two zeros or something, and it like blew up and joey made a shit ton of money which was great for him but at the time he was a little panicked and so he didn't like add two zeros and and it was too much and it bounced and so he didn't get in he no, actually no, no, like he got in but was like fuck like i've just invested this money now you know he could have probably sold it and got it back but he sat on it shit and then the thing like skyrocketed and so now he's, that's why why he, isn't he taking us over you know joey's fucking up all of them i swear i forget the like I overheard him talking to my wife and 
she was laughing and then he's like, yeah, I threw it all into maybe, my maybe. 401k. So I think he did something smart with it, which over here is your investment retirement. But anyway, are we, uh, so rest in peace, Ola, um, <laughs> are, are we, um, aren't we supposed to be like, talking about Arsenal or something? Yeah, let's do that. Um, let's do that. So I see that David Ziegler has done out us, done a complete itinerary for us this evening. To... Yeah. I mean, we're, 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 we're going to just going to move on to user questions. I haven't actually looked at them yet, but I saved them for later. So if you have any other, uh, I think I think he's talking about uh, you and Owen. I, I, I do Owen. like Owen just staring at the camera, like he's like shell shocked, and then just yells "fuck you, Joey." <laughs> so fucked up. <laughs> he was like he was he was politely waiting for Ola to finish, and then Ola just kind of kind of hung there for a second, and so he jumps in with his normal, uh, you know, his normal. Fuck I'm you. pretty sure that if you go through every single one of them videos, that I was consistently thinking you were taking pictures the entire evening, <laughs> and then taking about five seconds to really. <laughs> oh fuck you! And they all start with fuck yous. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so Arsenal, we got um, we got another win. We're still in fourth place. I mean, things things couldn't really be better right now, within reason, uh, as far as I'm concerned, and and that's why we're back podcasting again. But one nil against Aston Villa came with plenty of talking points, and I'd like to uh, formally thank our our missing co-host Michael Hernandez Jr. on uh, on some of these talking points, which we're stealing from his outstanding podcast, not another Arsenal podcast. But uh, so let's go kind of go from back to front. The celebration police, they're out. Um, I gotta I gotta give some credit to Gabby Abanglahor at least because he got owned. He knew he got owned. He admitted defeat about getting owned and said that it was really jealousy talking. And uh, and that's the way to, you know, I, I've said a lot of stupid stuff in my life. And when I get called on it, I, I, I don't try to get, I usually don't try to get out of it by claiming that's not what I said. He, uh, I think he took the right route. So Andy, um, <laughs> what, first explain what you're laughing about. Just you saying I try to get out of it. You, I can just see you. Just well, you're gay. No, well, that wouldn't be stupid. The um, the celebration police, as far as you're concerned. I mean, do you have do you have anybody that's questioning your reaction to these games, or are you really just going by what people are talking about in the the no, media? I think uh, is Laura Woods, right? Yeah. I think her summation of the whole thing was just like spot on and perfect. I know that she's an Arsenal supporter, but you know, ultimately like if we rewind the clock back to May, June, July, there was a lot of Aston Villa fans giving it to Arsenal fans on Twitter that they were, they were buying our players and yeah. that they were trying to buy ML Smith row and that they were beating us to transfers and they were talking mad shit. So, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, there there was a little bit of rivalry there but then also like these supporters have spent a lot of money and time to travel away like how are you not going to as she put it do we wait until game 38 like no you celebrate and the players coming over and having that that relationship with the fans is what arteta has been crying for the last two years that he's been our manager he's told the players there needs to be more connection with the supporters whether that is them in the stands or them online or just whatever it is. So I'm all for it. And I've said it the last couple of months, like the only team that beats Arsenal Ch Champions League is Arsenal. Like we 
Like when you look at that schedule and the run of matches, we are by far, aside from Liverpool, um, or excuse me, aside from Chelsea, we are the best team and we should maximize those points, right? So I would be celebrating as much as we can. Like we're not promised tomorrow. You know, there's a fucking crazy Russian guy who might just nuke us all. So we got to celebrate while we're here, baby. Who, Uzmanov? <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I just don't get it. I the 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 thought. Let me try to get it. No, and you can tell me whether you agree or not. The whole concept behind, well, because it's Arsenal fans talking about celebration too and policing celebration, and that is all about standards. I mean, the 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 villas of the world and and the Neves of the world are are basically b- bitching that you know they mu- or or basically claiming their own importance because of how much we're celebrating. They're not saying it's unsportsmanlike. They're basically just saying, you know, w- we must be really scary to them if we're celebrating. But the people within the Arsenal fan base talk about that all the time. I remember, I mean, the Palace game, which was the first one I went to on my last trip, sco- you know, Lacazette scores in injury time to salvage a 2-2 draw. We celebrated the shit out of that thing, me and Tom. Uh, because a because I would have lost my win- my my undefeated streak at the Emirates, which still goes on today. But second, it was a massive point at a time where we needed it. I mean, we needed ten points out of twelve in that run. And while that was the first game of four, we did end up getting ten out of twelve because of that draw. And we are now where we are in large part because of it. So, um, you know, is it the, the what, what do you think, Owen, about the people inside? Because the the point is our standards should be higher than to be that happy about that particular result. But in the moment, you can't get better without getting results that are better than they otherwise would have been. So I, I don't I don't get it. What's please explain it to me. Well <clears throat> I just find it funny that um Arsenal and the Emirates have been uh sort of criticized over over the years of being you know the library, not hybrid, and and the Emirates atmosphere being sort of lackluster at times. And I think that for people now to be turning around and saying, "Oh, they're too boisterous," and the players are too boisterous, is a little funny. But <clears throat> I think what you have to do is <clears throat> you have to put it into context. Okay, so the two games are Wolves and Aston Villa. Okay, so you have to put those games into context. Why were the players celebrating? Well, one of them is because um, we scored quite late against Wolves. The to win that game so <clears throat> the, the emotion of that was still quite raw at full time and then in the Aston Villa game that was a game that we sort of held out uh, and then uh, a player who just came back into the fold uh, Leno uh, saved the last minute shot to to keep us to keep the game keep the game one nil so I think you have to, to put that into context I think that if we had have been two or three goals up and cruising it out from the 75th minute maybe the reaction just wouldn't have been as passionate <clears throat> but also i think that one of the things that we have with this team that has been absolutely massive this season is there's a connection with the fans you know this is the most united i've seen the club hierarchy the manager the players and the fan base in a long 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 time um and i think in a way the players feed off the fans and one thing i have to say is not only um the the home fans but the away fans this season have been absolutely phenomenal you know the, the noise coming out of there i think even at anfield against liverpool um 
you could you couldn't even hear the home support over over the away fans, and it was the same at Villa. Um, you know, our away fans have dominated, and I think our players are in a way, and this can be used in a in a negative manner as well. But passion merchants, you know, the, the these types of players, Ben White, Gabriella, Kieran Tierney, Ramsdale, whoever you want to name, there a lot of them feed off the passion that is coming from the stands, and I think that that's a really really good thing because it is building that connection. So look. One thing I've noticed over the past few weeks as well is that <clears throat> we all know the sayings that have been associated to Arsenal, Banter <clears throat> FC, you know, the, the, we're, we're a laughing stock of the Premier League. When people stop making jokes about you and people start complaining about you, it means you're getting serious. People are getting worried. And I knew that when uh, my brother, who's a, I've mentioned before, is a diehard Liverpool fan, was extremely panicked at the prospect of playing Arsenal. You know, he wasn't laughing, he wasn't joking, he wasn't saying that it was going to be um, an easy game whatsoever. And and the the relief from the Liverpool fan base, I think, after they picked up that result just shows exactly how far we have come. There's obviously still a bit of a deficit between Liverpool and Man City, which you can completely expect because the majority of these players are under the age of 25 and they've all been playing together for, what, the total of a year, maybe? Um <laughs> up against the team who have won the Champions League and the league within the last few seasons. So I would say that the fact that the neutrals are not, are now voicing um, criticism against Arsenal, it, ju- it just stands us in good stead for the progress that we're making and the fact that we're now, we're now no longer a laughing stock and we're serious contenders when it comes to those top four places and they're maybe worried about that even going further in, in, in the future. Yeah, I mean, after after years of comments like, you know, Arsenal don't have the cojones and all of that stuff, I mean, it, it's just, I will all day long take people bitching about games we've rescheduled, bitching about, you know, asking for protection, which is one of our next talking points. I'll take that all day long because it because it means that people are now trying to get an advantage over us because they need it. Rather than sitting back and saying, oh, well, we know Arsene Wenger is just going to keep playing the same exact tactics and we've got a way to solve that and we're not worried about them. Uh, you know, so I, I agree with you 100%. Let the, let the haters hate. The one thing I don't really love is, you know, it, it's not let the refs keep blowing stupid shit against us and not calling, stu- you know, fouls that need to be called unless they're on us. I mean, that needs to stop. But as far as other teams complaining about us, it's a sign of success. So um, Jared mentioned, uh, we put it up a couple times, but but last year against Leicester, Wolves, and Villa, we took three points out of 18. That is insane. This year it's 18 out of 18. We should be celebrating top four type shit that is. And yeah, it is. And soon, I have no doubt, we'll be celebrating the occasional and hopefully frequent wins against Liverpool against Chelsea, against United again, and Spurs, and I mean, even City. So, look, uh, we're on the way up as far as I'm concerned. So, speaking of of protection and Saka, A, how good is that guy? B, when is his career going to end up like Diaby's if this thing keeps going? And C, what should he be paid right now? Because everyone's talking about a, a contract renewal for him. The, the number that's been mooted is $125,000 pounds, excuse me, a week. And uh, I'm just hoping we get it done before the season. So, Andy, we'll swing around to you again. 
Yeah, I think that Saka Gate. I think that the number is probably fair and reasonable considering how good he is and how good he's going to be. And, you know, you want to keep him happy. And in the grand scheme of things, that's not a lot of money for a player of his caliber at, at a club our size, right? I mean, it's a lot of money to anyone, but for someone like him, the world's at his feet and barring injury, he's just going to continue to go up and up. So I think that's a, that's a decent uh, amount of money. Um, you know, protection's a weird thing, Mike, because I, th- I think if we were not Arsenal supporters, we probably would look at it a little differently with the calls that he is not getting and he is getting. And it's, you know, I think if you're like, uh, you know, like let's say you're an Everton supporter and you watch an Arsenal match, you're probably saying, well, he isn't picked on or he shouldn't, you know, players shouldn't be protected more than, than anyone else. Um, but I, I almost feel like maybe his game needs to be changed a little bit. He is a tracking left or right winger, right? So he does have that defensive mode. So we do see him go down more often than not because he is fighting and scrapping for the ball. And maybe that's just where Arteta and the coaches need to say to him, like, yo, relax. Because you don't want him to fall into a Wilshire situation where he gets hurt because he's going into challenges he doesn't have to. Um, is that really? Is that how you see it though? Because I mean, the no, Wilshire, no, no. I'm just Wilshire saying was like, reckless. Saka's getting targeted. No, no, no. I'm just saying that for him to minimize his contact with other players. Now he's getting contacted because players worry when he gets the ball that he's going to leave him for dead, which he does a lot. That's just something we we we've seen it like, and I'm not comparing the two but you see Messi get fouled that way. Ronaldo got fouled that way when they were younger, just because you're going to foul the player rather than let them beat you. And eventually early in matches, players will get yellows and that'll stop. But yeah, I fear for him and Martinelli because he's the other one, right? I mean, he makes players look ridiculous, like even more than Sokka, like the way he treated, um, Trent Alexander Arnold in that Liverpool match. And like Arnold was, if he was any other player would have fouled him, but Arnold knows like, that's not how he plays. So Arnold uh, can sound like a 90 year old Jew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, this guy is killing me. And that is my hot take. Please, uh, please. Oh, I put that on the wrong. Hold on. This was supposed to go. <laughs> yes. So, so your base, I, I mean, at some point though, if you get yellows in the 12th minute, you don't keep kicking him for the rest of the game, uh, you know, and and it's it's just I can't think of. And again, I, I recognize there may be bias, but I mean, oh, and have you ever seen a? Well, can I say one where... thing quick? Yeah. So, did you guys listen to the Ramsdale podcast when he was interviewed by Ben Foster? Mm-hmm. I didn't. He said something along the lines with like Sokka is the type of player that does not care who stands in front of him; he's gonna take them on. And that's mm-hmm. like one attribute that they love about him being so young. So he is going to get booted around. And while that's not right, like he created a stardom for himself in England this past summer with the penalty kick. Come Christmas, his stardom is going to go five times for what he's about to do at the World Cup. Because we all know Southgate's going to use him. And again, he doesn't care. So I do think protection will come. But... I'm not asking for protection because he's an Arsenal player, right? I'm asking for protection because he's a young player. We don't want to see get injured because he has mm-hmm. the world at his feet. So I do think it's going to come, but players don't, he's young. They're reacting to him being beat off the ball. So they're going in that foul for me in the Liverpool, the Aston Villa match wasn't a foul. Like I don't, that wasn't a yellow card. That was for me. If anything, the ref comes over and just says to, uh, it was it Mings. 
Mm-hmm. But really? Hey, yeah, I didn't see it as a foul. Hundred percent. I thought it was a good play. He got ball. Yeah, but Vinny Jones is your favorite footballer of all time. <laughs> so, if I was the ref, I would have said to Mings, "Like, hey, a little easier, right?" But I didn't see that as a foul personally. Yeah, it's a. Uh, and what I would ask you um, to add to your response is, mm-hmm. can you think of a player, like objectively speaking, a player on another team in the Premier League that gets targeted? And like consistently just kicked around, like like Bukayo Saka does. Is yeah, that- but it it isn't an unfrequent thing uh, that we see. You know, Aiden Hazard was the type of player that got uh, rotational fouls done. Jack Grealish gets it done. Wilfred Zaha, I think, is the I most think Son from there. It's done quite often. It's a tactic, and, and look, this is where whilst they have no <laughs> loyalties or love for. The officials in, in in English football, it's a very difficult thing to stop because you can only punish the offence at hand, which is you can only treat each individual player that is making that foul at the time. You know, you, you can only punish him for for the circumstances of which he presents you at that time. You can't turn around and say because player A did this and player B did this and now you, player C, are doing this, I'm going to punish you for all three of those. It's a really difficult thing to try and do. You have to judge each each action um, on its own merit, essentially. But it's true it, that, that he, he does need some protection. I think that Bukayo Saka, the type of player that he is, he, he he's the type of player that tries to draw people in so that he can open up space behind them and move into it, which is really, really good for us. But in terms of him as a player and the injuries he's going to sustain during his career, it's probably likely that he will pick up quite a few bumps and bruises. Now, the thing is that we that we that we have on our side at this minute is is father time. Essentially, he he's still a young kid. He's made of rubber. These things will only really start getting worse and worse when he gets up over that twenty five mark, twenty seven, twenty eight. When he starts progressing and he and, and he's not as uh, resilient as he once was, maybe he'll be city look, problem by then. Yeah, but look, <laughs> yeah, but look. In in terms of rotational fouls, there's look, there, there's a thing that we should maybe look to implement. We see Man City do it as well. At times, they're very, very good at doing it. Everybody does it, so you can't criticize it. What I will say is that, and this might sound a little old school, and I'm pretty sure we're going to move on to a manager that come out with some comments, and we can criticize old school thinking there. But the way I look at it is, it's down to the players of our own team to self police it. Okay, if I was a central midfielder, if I was a wing back, if I was whoever it is on in Arsenal's team, if Tyrone Mings wants to fly in at a dirty challenge on Bakayo Saka, if Ashley Young wants to fly in and put in a dirty challenge on Bakayo Saka, you're going to get one twice as hard back. The next time that ball comes to your feet, you go and you absolutely lather them. Yeah, and, but theirs and- is a warning and ours is a red. No, that, well, that's the problem because the one player on our team that will do it. Will get red carded immediately, and but that I, I I'm not sure that that's the case anymore. Uh, I'm not sure that Sadrick is in is in any way soft. I'm not sure Tierney's in any way soft. Ben White, Gabriel, Thomas Partey, these aren't soft players like we were used to having at Arsenal. And if they want to do rotational fouling, the other teams doing it as well within our right to do it too. But it's just the it, it sets the precedent that we're not pushovers. We aren't going to be rolled over, and we're not going to. Um, let our players be targeted and one thing I was actually really happy with was the fact that we were in the referee's face we were up in Aston Villa players faces and I was actually quite disappointed 
um, at the commentators for the UK coverage were actually criticising Arsenal for doing it when that's something that we haven't seen being done by Arsenal in a long, long time. So it just, once again, sort of shows the, the togetherness within this group and that's something that I, I really like seeing at the minute. And the other thing I would do if I was Arteta, and I, and I see this happen frequently, is we know soccer can play over on the left. I'd almost switch him up every once in a while and make him and Martinelli kind of switch sides, right? So you're just causing all sorts of like issues for other players. And not saying he's not going to get fouled on the other side, but ultimately, Mike, to your point, like if one player is constantly going in and, and making it uh, hard for him, switch him over and, and just kind of give him some some freedom. But he will get protection, but we can't, like Owen said, you can't ask for it because two players doing the third one comes in, right? It, it, it's got to be the situational. But for me, that wasn't a foul on Mings. I thought it was a good tackle. All right. Well, that's an interesting take. I haven't heard that one yet. Um, so, Owen, do you want to talk about Gerard then? Because, I mean, I I, I just think his, his comments are just – but I do agree with Mark right here. If Xhaka makes that tackle, it's a red card. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, where... it, was it was a yellow. I See, I disagree with Andy there. And it's just in the modern game, the lack of control in the tackle and the danger that it could have caused. But you can't red card somebody for danger that it could have caused. It, 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 was, it was within the control limits of making it just a yellow card, but it was definitely excessive. But moving going on to the, the Gerard quotes, you know, I think – I think Bukayo Saka actually handled himself and presented himself fairly well in the post-match interview. We're making the comments. He didn't really he overdo did. it. He didn't he really. Is. Yeah, he's a well-mannered young lad, and, and and that's what he came across as. But for for somebody like Gerard, and this is what I don't get, for someone to actively sit there and said, "I've had sixteen surgeries. I'm sitting here with screws in my hip." as some sort of gatekeeper for for old school football. It's like you as a person should be one of the people standing by and turn around and say, yes, I want players of today to be to prevent having these kind of issues when they reach my age. You know, the modern game is completely different to the type of game that I played back then. You know, if everybody turned around and says that because they went through a terrible experience that everybody else has to go through that terrible experience to be deemed equal to them, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And for the fact that you can actively go look up press conferences for from Rangers and look at Gerard criticising the officiating for not protecting his players at Rangers for the exact same type, type of thing, it's just hypocritical. But, and again, I think Gerard has maybe just been... He's just been caught in a place where he tried to radiate himself as an old school football hard man and just made himself out to be an ignorant fool. Yeah, there there is nothing more frustrating and annoying than hypocrisy and and I mean hypocrisy, the hypocrisy level just in the world, just beyond football, but there's tons of it in football. It's just it's the one thing that has just doubled every single year in the last ten years. Like the funniest, the like funniest thing I've seen was um, Jimmy O'Hara on Talk Sport agreeing with Gerard and he I think he said that he had similar number of surgeries and stuff and I actually was blown away because I looked and he's only made about three appearances every year for his entire career so he must have been in like a, a horrific car crash or a bungee jumping accident or something for you know because he didn't sustain fuck all playing football the absolute waster yeah, I, I think for Gerard too, like if his tactics are going to be to just batter the big teams off the field with aggression, like Villa are going to lose because they have too. And I, I say this respectfully, they have too many South Americans in their team to do that. How do you say that? So, you, you can say that 
inoffensively, because, but how do you say it respectfully? Because that's not how they are raised to play football. That's not the tactics that they go into football matches. Like when have you ever seen, you know, uh, like an Argentina or Brazil that was made up of 10 hard men? Like that's have, just, have you ever watched the Copa America? No, I understand. Those games that are, are closer to rugby than they are football. Well, yeah, but you also have to take the fact out that like half of them fucking roll thirty-five times. <laughs> you know, so it's like what's actually in foul and what's not. But in today's modern football, the way Gerard has set up Villa to play is ultimately going to lead to his death. So fuck him. Do, fuck do, but do you think that that's maybe something that fuck played in the fuck is uh, that maybe played into Gerard's comments is the fact that. Surely, if Ger- his team are doing rotational tactical fouling, that's implemented by the manager. Surely, the manager. Oh, 100% can't come it out. Is. Uh, yeah, oh, um, he brought that in hundred percent, and that's why I'm saying, like, if he continues that way, they're going to get relegated because you can't win football matches that way. Because the mindset but- of the, the mindset of the players is going to be, well, I got to go foul Saka, so I'm out of position now. I'm not thinking about oh, yeah, the, like, the offensive threat disappears because they're so right. Like if we if we were if we go back to that Liverpool game and Jared and I were having the conversation in our WhatsApp group where I blame Saka for the goal because he was trying to move the ball forward and Liverpool were already in the the pressing. So when the ball unluckily bounced in the other direction, they were there. If you were to put Villa in that scenario, the players wouldn't be there because they're all trying to foul and they're trying to do something else, right? And it's like, you know, in a league like the Premier League, if you want to stay up, you have to be attacking-minded. You have to have a, a better tactical nous. And, uh, again, you know, Gerard's a fucking moron. Andy, uh, Moss thinks you're a fucking moron, by the way. And Moss is a great he, – he's been a great uh, interactor and contributor, so don't uh, – don't, I will don't, say don't that. Don't come back with uh, profanities and cut our listener base in half again like you always do. I, Maradona is the most overrated footballer of all time there. I said it. Move on. <laughs> uh, just one more thing on Saka, the rotational fire. I suppose the one thing that you can take away from it, though, is that – even with these last ditch attempts of tactical rotation uh, or, or tactical fouls on, on Saka consistently, he still fucking teams up. You know, that's the last ditch effort to try and stop people and he's still running past them. He's still putting the ball in the net. And every and time you think every up. time you think he's knackered and he's, you know, oh, he's been he's been he's played too much, he's he's starting to show signs of fatigue. The very next game, he's nine out of ten. Well, and I think Ian Wright said it a, a long time ago. Like he was, he was being interviewed, and he said, "Like old defenders back in the day, the '80s and '90s, which Moss was referring to, they used to put a, a boot in the back of your calf. They used to put a knee in your lower back, in your in your butt, because they wanted you to know, like, hey, I'm here, and I don't want you coming here. So that's where Gerard is going. Like, hey, take out Saka, take out the young boys, because then they're not going to run at you again. Problem with Saka is that he will run at you again, right?" So that's where the fouls start adding up because he doesn't care. He's not going to shy away from it. And that might be where Arteta needs to sit down with him and say, hey, if you're feeling an injury or you're feeling a dead leg, just relax for five. Let that feeling go, and then you can do it again. Right? That's what I was trying to say before. Like, just You'll just see okay. Saka like, lying down on the field. like <laughs> Yeah. Now, Mike, I will say, and I'm sure you the have chair. pocket, but – the moment he scored that goal and his celebration, I thought of you immediately. We have to we have to talk about that. And then I because... want to say this real quick. Last night, my son scored in his like practice, and he tried to do the knee slide and totally Saka hit the ground. Did he pulled off as well as Saka. 
Um, he did the cartwheel, but he didn't know what to do after that. It was more of like a four and a half year old just fumbling forward. But I was like, if I could have had this on video for Uncle Mike, he would. Oh my God. Uncle Mike, AKA my father. Um, that is, I mean, I love myself a knee slide. We've talked about it a million times. That's why Andy thought of me uh, right away. And that knee slide went so wrong so quickly. And yet he pulled it out and made it an 11 out of 10 because it looked, it was like the perfect kind. It looked like, um, I hate to say this, but you remember Robbie Keane's goal celebration? Was it Robbie Keane? The, um, yeah, where he did like the yeah, did the then, he, then he played in LA for you, and he was scoring a lot of goals in MLS. And he would do this like somersault followed by like a some sort of gun, bow, bow and arrow, some, yeah. something like that. It was almost like that, except it was it, 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 he didn't even mean to do it. It just he made some people can make even the biggest fuck ups look cool, and that's what Bukayo Saka did. Because mm-hmm. I want him to do that every time intentionally now, and I bet you he won't be able to. I'm do just it. waiting for the day that someone tries to do that slide and it's an ACL pop. Well, that's my concern. I mean, if I thought I was that like that was going to for a trade or be like, do not do that. I like, thought that was going to be Obama Yang's fate for for three years after. Yeah, those that was like my first thought was like, oh god, that looked painful. Did Obama Yang when when he did score for us the last year, year and a half, aka under uh, Arteta, did he stop doing the flip or was he, he did, still doing? The flip? He did yeah, yeah. So he did the flip. No, he just wasn't scoring. <laughs> well, I know that. That's why I said the few times. But like, <laughs> and when he did, maybe, it was against Nottingham Forest, where you don't do that. <laughs> maybe, maybe the <laughs> he scored a hat trick against West Brom's B team uh, and did a triple axel Lutz. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I just was wondering because I couldn't really remember him doing it, and it's probably because he didn't score. But I I think that uh, I thought maybe that was one of like the non-negotiables is that you can't do a flip anymore. Do you remember, speaking of celebration injuries, do you remember? Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Well, so that was the one rule that Aubameyang followed. It was. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you remember Martin Gramatica? And uh, he, field goal kicker, yeah. Yeah, well, he had a brother, Bill Gramatica, who I believe it was Bill that 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 got a field goal that won a game, jumped up to celebrate, and pulled his hammy and was out for the rest of the season, <laughs> which is the greatest, which is the greatest thing ever. Who uh, didn't, didn't, wasn't there a Premier League footballer who like dropped something on their toe, like an Xbox or PS4 controller, and they had to have surgery or something or a bottle? Uh, Sounds like Ozil. Volatile, maybe. Yeah, it could have been. Didn't Ozil hurt like his or hurt his wrist playing uh Fortnite or some shit like that? That's what he says. Um all right. So uh, uh Abba only flips on his first goal, Mark says. So maybe maybe that was it. Maybe I'm just thinking of all of his second and third goals that he scored in games. So um so yeah. Uh let's see. We got um Oh, I was going to mention the, the knee slide. So, Jaka Gate. Can, can the guy get a break? What happened? Hey, let's not talk that much. The, the, he got a yellow card for persistent fouling when he had only had one foul, and it was the one that he got the yellow card on. Like, the ref made it absolutely clear that this was an accumulation of fouls because he was, like, pointing to the spots on the pitch where he – where he uh, committed these phantom fouls, but he literally got one foul. And apparently his number of fouls that he's received is among the lowest in, in his position. I mean, it's a, but, but yet like 
His right cards are the highest. 80% of them have been cards. Well, if that statistic is true, then that's something that Arsenal need to take back to the FA and the officials and just say, hey, you know, and I I know where that stat came from, and we all know he's the biggest twat on Twitter. So ultimately, uh, if it is true, then He's the biggest twat still on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I would say, like, if it was true, that's where Arsenal need to go back and say, like, how can this be fair, right? Ultimately, uh, there are, like we were mentioning, like, if Mings made that, or if Jaka made that Mings tackle, it's not even a question. It's a red card. Um, but you, you got to feel bad for the guy because he has been incredible the last three, four, five matches. Like, he has been absolutely the player we wanted four years ago, five years ago when he signed. He's just been incredible. Yeah, it's a it's a little ridiculous when you think of the the lack of consistency. I think there was a the situation after the the sack t- tackle where John McGinn come over and sent Lacazette into another dimension um, w- with a push, and the fact that there was no repercussion for that really or equal reper- put it like this: this is my problem with modern football is the fact that Jacques's punishment for for that little nudge on on Emmy Bandia was the exact same as Tyrone's Tyrone Mings's challenge on Bakay Osaka. One was a potentially massive, you know, could have inflicted a massive injury that ruled Bakay Osaka out for the entirety of the season or longer, even maybe if if that was a couple of inches higher. Um, and <laughs> the other was literally a, a touch on the chest. But look, the one thing I will say before I go on to give Jack some praises, there's the old school saying of don't give them a, a decision to make. And it was unnecessary whilst I didn't think there was anything really wrong with what Jack did, that he shouldn't have got booked for it. But he could have turned around and walked away. He knows this sort of reputation that precedes him. And he knows that the the officials are quick to... Well, there's one situation where he walked away and I think he, like the referee was trying to call him over to give him a card and he kept walking away. Yeah, and to yeah. Come over. And I was... These are silly decisions. Was that in this game or was that... Yeah, it was the same. Uh, that, that was that. That was, that the, was same. the same, the same yeah. incident. And, and the the announcer here was literally saying he could be getting, you know, like he could be getting in trouble with a second yellow card simply yeah. for not coming over. And yeah. that would have been like the second time, two yellows on one situation, second time with Arsenal, that, that would have been just an absolute blow up situation. But yeah, but, but to go on to give Granit Xhaka a bit of praise. And I think that this is the most praise that you could give him is that we're all talking about upgrades, you know, come, come the summer um, the rebuild continues. And, I think, of course, we'll maybe talk about it later, but the striker position is obviously one position that we want. Um, the backup right-back position is still something that I think needs addressing, even though Cedric has stepped in nicely. But one thing I will say is that we were talking about suitors like like Ruben Neves, like like Telemans, players like this to come in and, and be the upgrade in Granite Xhaka. And I'm not sure that I'm not sure that either of those players are going to fill the boots of the performances that, are, that Granite Xhaka is putting in now at the minute. And I think that... Mikel, or, Mikel Arteta uh, is owed a bit of credit um, for that too because the, the tactical tweak in that position and what the demands are in that position have just completely unleashed Granit Jack and he's a completely different player, much like the one we've seen for his national side. But when you start looking around about what are realistic options, who's going to be available, the price tags on players, the age bracket of the types of players that we're going to be looking for, the influence that they will have around the dressing room. It's 
is going to be much tougher to replace. I think than people realize much I, tougher. I agree, and and I'm I, and and that's me saying that. I, um, you know, why I, would I you do... want to replace him though, based off of the last five weeks? Like you just, I'm not like I'm not I'm not, I'm not sure I would, Andy. But I suppose just to play a devil's advocate, people would say that based off the last five weeks, the over maybe the last four years, you know, that, that that's the counter argument is that we've got four years or five years of Granite Jacket uh, uh, as a sample size and, and we're using a small margin of that. Well, yeah, and I and I believe I believe that we need to upgrade in that position, but I am willing to say that it's got to be very, very carefully done because there is chemistry between those two. It's undeniable. Let me ask you, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this, though, right? So Mike just brought up the point that Jaka obviously has a target on his back by the, the Premier League refs. So let's take that into consideration, right? So if we look at the four years, just playing devil's advocate, aside from the whole bullshit thing with the armband, but if he didn't have the target on his back and he isn't getting the red cards and he's picking up those yellows, He's kind of like in a Patrick Vieira scenario where Patrick picked up a lot of stupid yellow card fouls, right? But like you just said, how like many reds Jaka, did he have? Well, but but that's what I'm saying. But like with Jaka, he's got that kind of target on his back. So and and Vieira didn't really have that. I mean, Vieira got a fair few reds, but those were more like vicious tackles where mm -hmm. you're like, okay, you can see by that, right? Whereas Jaka, when you look back at it now, you're like, some of these are really fucking ridiculous like maybe the first yellow was ridiculous but the second yellow wasn't where you're like okay i'm not sure he's ever gotten a second yellow though i've I read that well, somewhere as well yeah that so all I'm just saying that, like the sample size is large but if you take out the equation of bad officiating and there have been moments where you're like jock has lost his head where you see him go down in the penalty box but if if that was only your sample size owen you'd be like man this this is a different player i agree with you though we need to strengthen that position we need to push jocka to be a better player if he goes out, you know, we've got Sambi who can come in. He's clearly going to be a great central midfielder. He's just not ready today, right? And, and I do think we should strengthen. But I don't think that a player coming into the team, unless they're a world-class center mid, are going to uproot him from the starting 11 right now. And that's all due respect to Xhaka being just absolutely I, I'll be on, I, I'll be honest. I know I played David's advocate there, but I <laughs> – at this point, I'm not sure that we that that's the priority that we do need to upgrade on Granite Jacket. I'm not sure right. that, that that that's feasible at this time. And I, I think, think we it's need one of three to get back. But I think that the main issue everybody has is is, is discipline with Granite Jacket, and I think that that's the problem with the, you know the historical issues with Granite Jacket and his discipline is the fact that he's been he's been a square peg in a round hole for much of his Arsenal career. You know, he was brought in. And everybody thought that he was this masterful center, central defensive midfielder that could sweep up in front of the back four. And that's just not what he is. And that's not what he has ever been. And I think that part of the problem is, and, and I think what, what's being rectified now in this tactical tweak that we're seeing um, in the upturn of his performances is the fact that he's much further forward. He's never really the last man back. And I think that what was happening was he was so exposed when he was that last man back, the last man covering the defenders, that he was making rash and stupid decisions. And because of the area of the pitch that it was in and the scenarios that he was making those tackles, it was brandishing the harshest outcomes for those tackles, i.e. red cards. But I think what's happening now is when the ball is turned over, Granit Xhaka is much higher up. He's got Thomas Partey behind him. He's got Gabriel, uh, Ben White there that are well fit to 
to make up the ground and, and cover the ground. So therefore, Granite Jack is much more. In, um, you don't have to pull people from behind as much. Yeah, no, exactly. He's, he's much higher to win the ball. So therefore, I think the the repercussions of those mistakes or those rash tackles um, are, are are much less uh, harsh than than yeah. what we've seen in the past. So to be honest with you. I think that whilst they did make the devil's advocate point, and that's all it was, I do agree with you that what we're seeing in the last five weeks or so in these performances are uh, are probably a sign of what we can expect more of from Granite Xhaka in this system. And also I think that a big thing is as well is that you made a brilliant, brilliant point there, which was Thomas Partey. Something that we've seen from Thomas Partey in the absence of Granite Xhaka is the lack of leadership. He's not the type of person, he's not the type of personality to be the general in the middle of a park, in the middle of the park for a team like Arsenal. And I think he needs a leader in there beside him. So I think it's a very, when you start to, to um, when you start to narrow down the details of the type of player that you need to go in and sit down beside Thomas Partey, it's a very, very niche market that you're going to have to try and tap into. And I'm not sure it's really, really, I don't, I'm not sure it's very realistic to, to hinge all our bets on getting an upgrade on Granite Jacka. I'm, I'm not entirely convinced. Yeah. I, I just don't know that the, that the part, you know, Jacka Partey is the, is the midfield pivot that, that can get us top one or top two, as opposed mm-hmm. you can definitely get three, you know, top three or top four with it, assuming the front and the back are, are strong as well but you know the chemistry part of it i, I if if my issues with jaka have never been his skill his ability it was his mental state and his personality and you know which are both volatile and don't seem to mix well with the large number of arsenal supporters including myself although i've softened on that quite a bit um it's really now mostly about the head gone thing and the fact that he's got a target on his back whether that's his fault or not, he does. So he can be a liability in situations. I mean, I think back to the to the penalty he gave away against I think it was Brighton or Burnley or somebody like that late in the in the in Unai Emery's first season that was just absolutely nonsensical. It was a penalty, but it was just stupid to give away and it led to us dropping two points that cost us the Premier League, among other drop points that we had around the same time. And, and it's just, it's that kind of thing. If he really can cut that out, if this positional change is making it less likely that he's going to be in those situations, if our tactics protect him from himself and allow him to play freer, then absolutely, I think he could be useful. And I'd rather, you know, just like we're going to see in the, in the back, in the, in the center backs next season, where I think we're going to have three to four top center, you know, Premier League center backs fighting for two spots every time and i'm including holding in that knowing that he's number four out of four all the time uh it couldn't hurt to have three or four guys including lakanga do the same thing in the in the middle because we are going to have not 38 to 40 games next season we're going to have 50 to 60 games next season but see two things number one first of all uh, the masculine who's an absolute gentleman um we discussed this earlier i'm not sure that ruben neves has outperformed granite jacket this season nor telemans and what i would say is that in fact he and thomas Partey absolutely dominated midfields that they were that they were parts of this season um i know that um telemans was out for a last game but he, he just hasn't been in great form maybe you see an upcycling in form and the other question i was going to throw back to you mike is that we're saying about the the aura that surrounds granite jacket with the officials uh 
we, we talked earlier about protection for Bukayo Saka. Why is there not the same outcry for protection for a player like Granit Xhaka? Yes, maybe they're not going to be injuries that inflict on him that could rule him out. But when we talk about the fact that Granit Xhaka is being shown yellow cards for completely ridiculous situations, where no, should, different... should, the, should the Arsenal fan base hop to his defence more often? Or do you think he's burned those bridges? I think he's burned those bridges, but you know, again, we're talking about two different types. We're we're talking about protection for an offender versus protection for a victim. Uh, he's getting unfairly carded in many cases for things that he does because of who he is. Um, whereas Saka is getting kicked around the block, and he's not he's not being protected by having a penalty, you know, a, a penalty in the form of a card go to the other team. So. Yeah, it's different, but I, I understand your your concept is about the outcry, and I think that Jaka, in his account with the supporters, both of Arsenal and other teams, and the league, has transgressed enough legitimately that we're not going to mince. We're you know we're we're going to be upset, and we're going to make that stupid joke about you know if it was Jaka, that would have been a red card every time someone you know you know touches another guy, but. I don't think he's earned protection. I think he needs to change his style of play to the point where it is so absurdly obvious that there's an agenda against him that the referees can't even continue doing it. So, and and again, maybe in the last five games we've seen that. Uh, in the, I mean, the the yellow in the last game was ridiculous. That that was clearly bias. But you know, I I think it's going to take a lot more than five or ten good games uh, of disciplined play, but not backing out of challenges and stuff as he's actually done and has led to goals when he's already got a yellow on him before. So yeah, I don't, I don't think it's the same. Uh, you say that mass gunner was, is nice, but there's just no reason for him to call me an idiot. Okay. Well, don't call not, me an he's idiot. not lying. <laughs> I know, but you can, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, <laughs> don't say it. Call um, Mike an idiot. <laughs> call, yeah. If you don't have anything nice to say, call Mike an idiot. Even if I'm like 8,000 miles away and not involved. So um, let's get to user questions now uh, because we've got a lot of them. And uh, I'm going to start with Mark. Any regret we didn't go for Tammy Abraham to give us a different option for counterattack and someone on the end of crosses? 1,000% regret not going for Tammy Abraham because I thought he was kind of the perfect solution over the summer other than a Vlahovic type uh, or, you know, a massive guy. He was affordable, reasonable if Chelsea would have sold to us. I would have taken him in a second, despite the Chelsea reject thing. He was not a Chelsea reject. He was yeah. odd man out of a constant reloading of 80 million pound players. So I bet Chelsea would have Well, I bet Chelsea would have preferred to keep him seeing how Lukaku's scored five goals for them this season in the league. Um, yeah, you know, if we didn't have the Obamiang, if we had the Obamiang situation now that we had in the summer, I think we would probably push harder for him. Um, but we didn't have the the wages or the ability, and we all thought that Aubameyang was going to come good then. So, uh, you know, I think that's obviously priority number one for us, right? And I'll tell you this right now. Edu and Arteta's system for buying players has just been so spot on that whoever they bring in is just going to bang in 100 goals next season. Put that on a goddamn screen thing, Mike. <laughs> By the way, I know that you were calling Jacques an idiot. Um, I, I am that perspective. So what Wait, am I so putting on the screen? Gunner thinks that you're Jacques? 
I know we have a lot in common. The, that the would explain people. someone's comment saying that Jaka was not physically or mentally capable of playing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, user questions. And fair warning, most of these are from David Ziegler. Um, why don't more people go to the supporters clubhouse before and after matches? I love the place and can't believe it's not even more packed than it usually is. I can give you two reasons. But let me uh, let me let me ask Andy and Owen first if they have a reason for that. Have you been you've been to the supporters clubhouse, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's probably better places to go that have more of a fun atmosphere. Guinness Uh, isn't good enough. I mean, you should go to the supporters clubhouse at least once, if not more, because of just taking a look at the thing. It's amazing. Get there early so it's not packed. But David probably goes there now because they put pineapple on everything. <laughs> My wife is starting to get so angry with all the fucking magazines he sent to our house. <laughs> Still coming, dude. He signed us up for like fucking waste management monthly or some shit, which. <laughs> When I get it, I think it's funny, and I just throw it in the garbage can next to the mailbox down the street from us. But it really upsets my wife. Does your, does your postman like ask for a larger tip or or a tip because of all the? He's like well, got back surgery from carrying listen, all the magazines. I have David's address, and yes, I've had it for a while. Look how, look how patient he is to plan B. Very his ass. patient. It's a plan, long. You gonna plan B day. his ass? Yeah. Oh, and have you been to the supporter clubhouse? Did we go? No, we didn't go. I've been there. The Guinness isn't up to scratch. That's why I don't go. Yeah, um, yeah basically, that's it. I have, I'm I an have, Irish guy. If I leave Ireland, I have to go to an Irish bar. That's just the way it works. I have two reasons. Number one, and I do go there. I was there a couple times the last time I was there. Uh, one reason is um, because more people at the Tollington recognize you and buy you beers. Uh, when you're on a podcast, that was that and one so- dude. That was Don Roberts. That was it. And we bought him beer. Uh, well, I, yeah, I ended up buying more beer back. Uh, but uh, the second reason is Jeff Lancaster. All right, next question. Um, Wait, what a fucking racist cunt he is. Jesus. Well, I wasn't going to say the specific well, reason I didn't like him. Uh, hairiest player on the art in the Arsenal squad. Oh, God, it's easily got to be. Uh, that, that's a tougher one than you that think. That is a tough one because they're all. Yeah, because you can see up here, but like you don't know, like like do they have a huge tuft that that you know, like if you saw their kit was like this, like like hanging out of Ben White is too well groomed. Emil Smith well, he, he can't don't be have hairy because yet. he wants to show his uh, tats off. So, but the, here's the question though, because these guys are on so much money and they get their hair cut weekly, a lot of them probably get waxed, right? Or like Muhammad El Nani. So yeah, El Nani for me. Yeah, I, th- I think we're going three for three on El Nani. I can't. I can't. I can't argue against that. Maybe Kolasinac would have been, uh, but he's not an Arsenal player anymore. Arteta? I'm going to say cereal is not soup because it's served cold and not warm. And if you eat cold soup, you're... Gazpacho. Which I think is disgusting. Jewish? Is that what... Oh, no. No, matzo ball soup is warm. As I've said before, Mike is so 1% in wealth that he eats foods we don't even know what they are. (laughs) You don't even know what they are. They only exist in my circles. They only exist in the Denver International Airport and Mike's Jewish circles. Okay, yeah, this story deserves telling. Owen may or may not know. Oh, I think, I forget which group I, we, we were talking about this in last night, but hour or two after the Josh Kroenke interview, 
Uh, we're in Denver. We're jet setting. We head straight to the airport to go to LA for the next round. We're uploading interviews, transcribing everything because this was our moment to become a podcast that has more than 27 listeners. Um, and we're in the airport and I'm starving. We haven't eaten since I gorged myself on hot dogs and nachos in the press box before the game. And so I get a bagel with locks. Okay. Uh, they had a bagel with lock and, and just the look on Andy's face of confusion, anger, 1% jealousy. And, and like, he's just looking at me like, and I'm, he's like, what are those? I said, it's locks. And he's like, what is a lock? <laughs> like, like lock is the, the locks is salmon on a bagel. It's L O X. He's like, what is a lock? And at that moment, Mike Some realized, bagel with cream oh, cheese. this person wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth. I could probably dumb it down for him. Well, you must be completely at the bottom of the scale because this man survived on fish fingers and chips for the entirety of our trip. Um, the last time I was over, so that's he, yeah, that's like four year old. Do you remember the restaurant? The restaurant we went to um, that we sat at waiting for the food until the scampi came, and it was the best scampi I've ever had in my life. Like for someone who struggles with being overweight, you just keep eating fish. Like what's happening? <laughs> Me? Yeah. I oh or was Owen eating scampi? No, well, I ate, no. I, well, the scampi no. was breaded, and and uh, yeah, no, I I eat better now, but but over there, oh, those Mark Bacriden. I I still don't know if it's backward in or Bacriden reached out to me the other day and said he might come up for the Brighton game, and if he does, we're going out for lamb ribs. Mm, we're doing, we're doing lamb ribs because because uh, that will be on my diet at the moment that I need it to be. Uh, have you ever had an ex remain as obsessed with you? as Emmy clearly is with Arsenal. Yeah, her name is Georgia. Uh, she's found another She's found another man and she's getting married, but I still get love notes from her all the time. Soon to be Georgia Canton. Yeah. <laughs> Would you be happy with Xhaka sticking around a few more season, uh, but in a Gunduan-type role, part-time starter, vice-captain? My answer is yes, Owen. Yes. And I, and I wouldn't have said that three months ago, I, honestly. Uh, yeah, same, yeah. Same. yeah, yeah. Well, any of Niketia, Reese Nelson, or Maitland now? Who are those guys? Uh, be at Arsenal next season. Will any of them be at Arsenal next season? Uh, I think out of the three, I would say Reese Nelson probably has the best chance because it looks like he's playing fairly well in the Dutch league with our friend and friend of the podcast, Cole Bassett. Ah, nice. Have you talked to so he's playing on the first team at Fire Nord? Yeah, yeah. Um, I text him congrats and good luck. We had like a brief text exchange and it was like the tell, day. Him, tell him to wish Reese Nelson good luck making the Fire Nord too. Well, I so I I mean we have it on pretty good authority, right? That Arsenal are coming here this season. So if there's any player that you don't want on Arsenal, Mike will yell at them aggressively. And they will just be so down. Hey, Granite, good luck making the team. <laughs> <laughs> I've already had my run in with Granite, Jack. I don't need it. I will say, oh, and I don't know if I told you this, but like, so that that scenario happened. But Mike fucking had a, he had like a binder of questions. You know when you go, like, you know when you're in like, um, 
grade school and you have like a binder with like that flips with yeah. paper. It was a, it was a trapper keeper. <laughs> I had questions for every fucking player on white paper. And he would like quickly go one. through. And the one player that got close enough to us was Mustafi. And I went, Hey, what questions did you have for him? He said to me, but I didn't write any for him. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. I just figured he would, you know, he'd be off the team or he'd be dancing at some point. He was point. like the one player who kind of sauntered over to us, being like, you guys want to have a combo? Like, are we going to chat? And so what'd you ask him? I panicked. So I didn't yell at him, good luck making the team, which we should have done. I, I was just yeah. like... <laughs> I was like, how are you kids, bro? <laughs> Well, yeah, he was like, "You getting much sleep?" And, uh, and he's like, "No, not really." And then he, and then, and then he like two footed and took out. Do you know what Jimmy. I just found the other day on my phone was the video Lacazette made for one of the girls that I was oh, coaching at yeah, the time, I about that. That and was how like it took him like four takes to get it perfect. And I was like, I, "Everyone like, was gone was... and like on the team bus, and you were still standing there on the pitch with Lacazette." Like two hours later, filming this, this thing, like, you wanted to get was... it just right. And I was like, do I do I upload this and share it to the world? I feel like it's a little too personal with all the fuck ups because we were like he was having a good time with it at that point. I I, I screwed up about a week or two ago and, and uh, there was a horse called American Mike running at uh, Cheltenham and I got all excited about it and I and I put a bet on it through uh, our friend Jack Stevenson. Uh, he of the providing of the tickets uh, when I come over with Jake and uh and he's like, okay, well, your horse lost, which I knew. I was watching it. But here's a here's a like a consolation prize. And it was a video of him and Ray Parler together, like consoling me on on American Mike's loss, like which was worth every penny that I that I had spent on the horse. And I just tweeted it out, and then like two hours later, I got another a, a DM like, that was private, but okay. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. Man. So there went our chance again to get Ray Parler. <laughs> Owen, I know you got to run. You're a working man, uh, unlike Andy and I, uh, the entrepreneurs. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's 11:19 p.m. over there, and you uh, you got to go save people's lives. Yeah, yeah, hero that I am. It's been fun. We should probably do this in another three months again. Yeah, yeah. I want to do. I thought you were gonna quarterly. say like soon, and I was gonna go nah. But when nah. you said three months, I was like, yeah. We'll do one quarterly, um, and. Uh, now we're when I get back from England uh, and caught up from England, we're barely spending time in England. We're actually going on. So when Mike says when I get back and caught up, so we'll pod next August. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I'll I keep that free. We're going to start potting more regularly. I'm, I'm I, I go back and forth between we're going to do it every two days or we're never going to do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I'm just glad people show up to listen to this crap. So Owen. Love you, man. Good to see you again. See you. Oh, take care, brother. Take care, boys. Bye, Let's knock out a few more of David's questions after Owen's gone. Do, do I need to get you out of here? Or? All right. How many out of Balogun, Aziz, Patino, Flores, and Hutchinson will make it at Arsenal? And by make it, let's say they're in the 18 for the majority of the basis. games in a season. Like, I, mean, um, I think Patino for sure. And I'd say Balogun has a good shot. I don't know enough about the other two or the other three. I think Hutchison might be the best of them all uh, at, at at one point, but at, at some point. But if making it at Arsenal is what we just described, then Tom Canton was wrong because Eddie Nketiah made it at Arsenal. Yeah, he might not have been good enough, but he made it. Failed journal. 
Well, he's obsessed with the academy. He's obsessed with young boys. What is the best we can or should expect in terms of numbers of academy players graduating into productive first team roles each season? Each, I mean, if you average one a season, you're doing well, right? I think if you average one every five seasons, you're doing well. I mean, well, to the star level of a soccer or ES row, uh, yeah. What, what, like, what academy players have come through? Like, so at City, you're looking at Foden. Foden. Who else through Um, like? Liverpool. I mean, there are some guys. I mean, you see a lot of guys with high kit numbers playing in Liverpool, and but they, but yeah, but he plays them in like cup competitions, right? Right, And they wouldn't, they wouldn't be in the eighteen against Crystal Palace during the Premier League season, right? And then like Chelsea, um, Chelsea's a different story. Mason Mount, maybe. Well, Tammy Abraham was one, but then they, they, I mean, because Chelsea pushes people up and out. As they replace them from outside with, yeah, yeah, yeah. with, with bigger players. So. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, not anymore. That is right. Uh, Spurs. I mean, Kane came through the academy. Uh, well, Wings, Spurs. Kane came through like five other academies before well, started he started with ours. And, yeah. I don't yeah. want to claim that guy though. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've had a lot that have come through. Winks. Uh, I think a couple others, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I honestly, I think if you did two in any given year, you'd be doing great. So one a year would be fine. And, and the rest are to loan out and sell and keep the kind of the churn going on the, uh, on the incomings, which we've been awful at. Next question from David, would you accept a season ticket if a condition of use was that the holder had to attend each match day barefoot, but you don't have to pay for it? You just, or you pay for it, and you have to attend each match day barefoot. David, explain. Do I do I get to go to every game, including travel and all of that, or am I am I overthinking this? I think you're overthinking it. I think you. I wouldn't mind going to a game barefoot. You're getting it free, like, so you're you're going barefoot. I'd yeah. take it. Yeah. I mean, my feet are are so immune to anything because I mean they're not. Na- I've shown you pictures of my toenails before. Yeah, no, um, I've seen Asian women scream over your feet. And not for a sexual reason. Which member of the Arsenal women's team would be best if suddenly dropped into the men's team? Easily Leah William, Williamson because she is a she, goddess. She is, she, no, she's just beautiful. And I'd love to look at her all the time. But 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 we consider them as footballers and first and foremost. And in that regard, she also called wait, who who is um I went to a game when I was over and just came away blown away. I, I think it was as a was young a Irish woman. Or she was left. She was a left wing. Yes. I, was she either Williamson or knobs? Well, there's a, I know there's a, I, th- I want to say she's Irish who just, I see, I've seen her play a couple times. I don't know if we're talking about the same person, but I thought she's a baller. I mean, meet is the obvious answer. I think, um, God, who am I thinking about? Let me pull up the squad. Arsenal women's squad. Oh, uh, Max. Appreciate the donation. Please, anyone else that's considering that, and I'm sure I'm talking to thin air right now, but please just go to keepolahere.com and, and donate to that instead, if you will. But, um, you know, this is crazy. For some reason, the Mikel song, I haven't actually, like, researched what it was. I know that there was a new song that that that, that included his name that was being sung, but I'm, I'm an awful gooner because I just I couldn't hear it. 
and I haven't like read up on what it is. So I, I ought to do that before I come over the next couple of months. Uh, ask Tony Fane. I feel like he knows all of them. <laughs> well, half of those. Caitlin Ford. No, that's not her. No, it wasn't Caitlin Ford. I I I think it was. I think it might have been McCabe. Yeah, McCabe. no, it's Katie McCabe. Yeah, she's a baller. She's Irish. She, she was on the left wing, and then and then we brought in um, we brought in a substitute. Um, I think uh, she was a Japanese player. Amazing, amazing close skill, like foot foot skills and stuff. She was incredible. Um, I, I hate that I'm forgetting the names right now, but and and so Katie moved over from left to right, and was still incredible. You don't remember the names because they're women. And you don't respect them. That's fine. That Currently, is not. Yeah, it is. Currently, two Premier League teams are interested in Pogba. Could Arsenal be one of those? And would he work next to Party? Ooh, I don't think we are one of those because of the wages. I bet Newcastle and someone in the chat earlier said Newcastle and Spurs. He hopes. Um, well, Spurs couldn't afford his wages. He'd have to take a massive pay cut. To what? What is he on now? Like he's on something. He's on. Um, he's on a. Th- I think just like three ninety or something like that. Yeah, but then with his five ten, he's on three ninety. The number of players they have that were over two hundred, which is our highest one now, are absolutely ridiculous. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, I mean he's not going to get three ninety anymore. I don't think, and I think he would probably take a pay cut. But uh, he's he's the exact thing that we don't need from the chemistry of our squad, in my opinion, yeah. right now. All right, I'm going to put this next question up, but here's the tri- here it is, Mike. You have less than a minute to answer this because this is going to be an entirely separate pod. So I'm going to start my phone. Do you want me to give you like timestamps during the minute? I think it would be funnier if you do. Okay. All right, three. Is this the financial question? I'll let Yeah, I'll let you read it. And then, okay, I'm going to give you three seconds to read and go. All right, so when I saw this question come in earlier, I looked at it really quickly, and I wasn't quite sure exactly what the rule was. So I read it quickly online, and basically is saying that instead of the financial fair play rules altogether, I'm talking really fast, um, they're going to do a 70% of of spend ratio on income, which is similar to a salary cap like we have here. But that will hurt teams who, uh, who are trying to improve their team from the standpoint of, uh, you know, of spending big wages as an investment before those Champions League money and the Europa League money's there. So I thought you were going to give me updates. Am I not 40 even? 40 seconds. Left? Yeah, no. <laughs> Left? No. So, so what's up with the rules? I think they are get, being voted on in about 10 seconds weeks. left. If they get in and they get approved, then, uh, then it absolutely will change the ability to have high wages, but not high transfer fees. Oh, you fifty nine seconds point four two. Best I can do on short notice. Hey, you know what? You could probably do a whole pod on that. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up a whole pod on on fingernails. I mean, dude. Okay, let's... <laughs> you have to take your foot out of that. I can't. I know that you what think you my feet. I that's your foot. You keep saying that. 
I've got pictures of your feet that you sent me while you're on a beach in Mexico. That oh yeah, I had when I had the uh, like the little fish biting on them. No, no, no. There was like you were on the beach relaxing, and there was like a bird off, and I was just thinking that bird's gonna come nonch on those nails. It's like uh, Gary Mabbutt who had his foot gnawed off by a rat one time, and he didn't know it because he had diabetes. (laughs) (laughs) Diabetes. by the way, thank you to uh, to our very good friend Mark Mertz from from uh, Wisconsin, uh, and to uh, to Anonymous for your donations to uh, keepolahere.com. We are now at uh, at two thousand five hundred and eighty one quid, so we're nine hundred away. We got about a week left. Please go there and just anything you can do five quid, ten quid, whatever it is, more if you can would help uh, keep a great person with his family in the place where he belongs, which is anywhere he wants to be, but specifically England. So, uh, Is he going to get deported if we don't get this? Well, only if he gets caught, but the penalties for getting caught now include up to four years imprisonment. So the bigger concern is if, you know, it's, it's his responsibility to renew his papers. If he doesn't, and for some reason it comes to light, whether they find him or if something like if he gets in a car accident that isn't his fault like it doesn't have to be him doing something wrong if it comes to light then he would be considered a an overstayer and and there's a lot of problems inherent with that so, imagine if like and he's not the type to try to circumvent rules anyway i mean he is a loyal legal rule following person uh except i asked him not to take his underpants off when he slept on my couch and 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 he didn't follow those rules but when it comes to legal authorities He's good. Um, so please go and, and help out as you can. The last question of the day. Uh, favorite Premier League era player name? Think of names like Schmeichel, Venegor of Hesselhink, or Steed Malbrank. Give you a few seconds to think about it because uh, I think mine would be Muhammad El Hamadidi, or like it just sounded like it was a big cycle. You could have just kept saying it over. Gotta need more time to think about this. Muhammad El, what was it? Muhammad, looking it up. El, oh, I don't know. Uh, that's the first I can think of on short notice. Yeah, I was gonna say this is a short notice one. How about David Seaman? <laughs> We're the, when we eventually get David Seaman on the podcast, which we should be able to do, I'm not sure I can be able to keep a straight face. I've got a book of his signed. Yeah. We need to get some gloves of his. Oh, hey, speaking of getting things signed, the cycling jerseys are coming from Lance Armstrong for the cancer. Ooh, you pulled that off, huh? Yeah, his uh, his guy got back to me. He asked me if I had kits. I wanted to send two lands for him to sign, and so I uh, I went on to eBay and bought some like retro ones. Oh, nice! All right, well, keep stay tuned for that. We've got connections, uh, and uh, if you're a cycling fan, I know we'll, Lee Dixon might be interested in this, but uh, if you're a cycling fan and love the Arsenal. You can get an Arsenal shirt signed by Lance Armstrong because little do most people know he actually played for Arsenal in 1996. So, uh, so there's that. So yeah, please go to Gunners versus Cancer. 
please go to before you do that go to keepolahere.com help us out and uh stay tuned for more announcements on all that i'm i'm pretty well done here um stay tuned for an announcement on when our next show will be after the uh after the next game and as always now on sunday nights you can catch me and the gfp on the Burkamp wonderland doing sunday roast which is kind of turned into something a lot more fun than i even thought it would be it's just kind of like the last five minutes of this podcast it's just an hour and a half of talking about absolutely nothing and yet something and yet why haven't i been okay hold on a goddamn second okay (laughs) why haven't i been it uh you didn't ask me if you could do this you didn't (laughs) invite me to do it you and fucking Danny are off in your goddamn treehouse playing, and I'm not getting invited over. This is bullshit. That's you know that's what happens when you disappear to to start selling popsicles. Listen, regardless, Danny doesn't sell popsicles. Danny sells his body for sex. I am sure of it. I don't have proof yet, but I am sure of it. I Danny probably has an OnlyFans page. Am I right? It's private though. OnlyFans.com forward slash Sunday roast. <laughs> yes, I'm actually I will be unable to do the Sunday roast. Um on uh and you're always busy on the weekend anyway with that family of yours. Um uh, but uh but yeah when I'm in when I'm in Europe, there'll be two Sunday shows I can't do. So there you go. Hey, describe what Jake's girlfriend looks like. Not gonna do that. Um, <laughs> you that thinking about it. That is being recorded for. I was thinking about whether I should or not. <laughs> Suffice it to say, Jake has a girlfriend, officially girlfriend now, um, and she's lovely and very nice, and they are very, uh, very happy together. Um, so uh, we never see him anymore. But because they're just banging. I knew. Why do you have to go there? Because you know that we were all teenagers once. You know that's what's going on. Have you sat down and talked to him about it? Have you given I, him the I am the an birds and the bees, the P and the B chat? Unlike you, I'm an appropriate father who does not ever use letters like P and V. Uh, certainly not in the same sentence. And I think this really needs to end <laughs> <laughs> because I've been posting highlights of his football matches on twitter and therefore some of his teammates probably might nose around and say what's this all you're assuming that teenagers want to listen like let's be honest all of the people who listen to this podcast are middle-aged men from around the world who don't have much going for them and they come (laughs) here they come here to watch us lift them up because they go our lives aren't that bad (laughs) i don't know um David Ziegler seems like a guy who's got a lot going on. All right, so let's let's finish this off. Uh, anything else you want to want to promote uh, as our as our listeners just plunge down to a almost zero? Um, no. All right. Thank, thanks everyone for being here. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Teenagers would have stopped fifty eight minutes ago. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I bet Jake lasts way longer than two. All right, enough. All right. So thanks for joining us. This has been the Gooners Podcast, and we will see you soon.